you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. You would Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. Thank you. (laughs) Lay off the coffee, my wife just said. (laughs) It's true. Um, Cool. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. And it's going to start off by saying this. No, it's Daniel chapter 9, verse 2. Yeah. Some of you are new here. I'm slower than your average person. During the year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord. That's something that's good for all of you to know. As revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. As I also wore a rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes... I prayed to the Lord, my God, and I confessed, O Lord, you are great and awesome, God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to the kings and princes and ancestors to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all of Israel scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you, O Lord. We and our kings and our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. And even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. Man, that's a mouthful there, isn't it? Let's pray. Jesus Help. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. I don't know where you're at today, but my attempt is to see you grow as it is in my own life, my attempt to grow spiritually. This book, Daniel, is an interesting book. It's a book of, of great favor on a man's life. God's promotion on someone who was in the worst time of his life, saw some terrible things happen, and I don't know where you're at or what season of life you're in, but Daniel found himself without family, without his home country, without his temple of his God. Things in his life just didn't look like what he thought it should look like, and yet he still continued to serve and honor the Lord. And what happened is God continued to promote him and continued to promote him. And where we start reading right here in Daniel chapter 9, we believe that Daniel has probably been in Babylon for for 50-some years at this point in his life. He's older in his life, yet he is still confused and asking God when. You ever been in that season 
When, God? How? When you got more questions and you got answers, what do you do? And Daniel did what probably most of us remember to do consistently. He sought God. Daniel decided to go to what he knows is truth, and he went to scriptures and started searching diligently. What are you going to do? And he found the book of Jeremiah. And I want you to know that you can find truth in a lot of places, man. You can go to Google, and it'll give you all kinds of different truths. But there is only one truth. And you're going to find that from God's authoritative word over your life. It will give you clear direction that you can stand on. He went to Jeremiah and he found truth. And here in this passage, he began to pray. And that's what we want to do. I want to remind you guys all, as I realize that some of you guys are growing spiritually for the first time. A couple weeks ago, we taught you guys an acronym to learn how to pray that I do with my kids. Um, and it's simply called pray. Uh, there's each letter in the word pray stands for something that will really be helpful for you as you learn how to develop your prayer language. First word is praise. The second word is repent. The third word is ask. And then the fourth word is yield. Sometimes when we jump into our prayer closet and our time with God, we miss these things up by starting off with asking before we do anything else. And I, I just want you to know, when you start prayer with asking, it's going to create confusion in your prayer time because you're not focused. You don't know who you're with. You don't know what's going on. You haven't emotionally stabilized yourself. There's some things that you got to do in yourself, and we see it right here in this prayer that, that Daniel's doing. He's going to start off before he says anything to the Lord with praise, and then he's going to move into repentance. And so as we move into this time of communion, that's exactly what we're going to do. Let me just show you here. Daniel, the first thing Daniel says is, Oh Lord, you are great and an awesome God. And you always fulfill your covenant, your promises. You keep your promises of unfailing love. I, I just, Lord, today I'm, I'm reminded that regardless of what I feel, I know who you are. You are faithful and you are awesome. And you are powerful and you are mighty and you are glorious and you are gorgeous. And as I'm in, entering into my prayer closet and some of you are learning how to pray, you use your own words, but you remember who the scripture says he is and you use that to navigate your true north to teach you how to praise the Lord. Does this make sense? And then what happens is he goes into the second part of this prayer and, and he begins to, he says, we have sinned and done wrong. One of the most important things that we must learn how to do when we pray is ask God for forgiveness. It's critical, man. And I don't know why. I think it's because we live in a culture that's very much filled with pride and arrogance that we're not good at saying, I am wrong. I am wrong. I said wrong. I thought wrong. I went wrong. I did wrong. I am wrong. I sinned. David said, against you and you alone, Lord, have I sinned. And it's important for us to be able to look at the Lord and say that. Now, when we begin to repent, what happens instantly is the Holy Spirit draws near. It's the, one of the most glorious and wonderful things that happens. I, I believe one of the things I have learned in my relationship with the Lord is the Father is re attracted to repentance. 
Now what happens at the very end of this passage is Daniel's going to have this prayer and he's going to ask God to move in his nation and try to bring restoration. He's going to begin asking that God would lead him to do cool things. But then the Lord responds by sending Daniel this angel, this message. And the angel's name was Gabriel. Now I've not had many angels visit me, or at least I haven't seen them. Uh, But he has sent his Holy Spirit into my life. But listen to what the word of the Lord is to Daniel. It's the same word of the Lord that we need to get into our understanding of God's view of us. He says this, the moment you have been praying, in verse 29, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are precious to God. No, he says you are very precious to God. I love that. Listen carefully so that you can understand. I need you to know before anything happens that the moment you start looking to the Lord, He is already moving towards you. You are precious to Christ. You are precious to your Maker. You are precious to your Creator. He loves you. And this is important to your theology, to the makeup of how you learn to interact with Christ. Because if you don't understand that he loves you, that God is for you and not against you, you create a mindset of talking to someone who is far off. No, no, the moment you started to pray, a command was given. I love it. Anyways, in this passage... um, He's trying to teach us that the Lord is merciful and gracious and faithful. And that's just what we're going to do today as we seek the Lord. I want you to know that we have sinned. And there is something that we can do that's important for all of us. That the moment, one of the principles of my life right now, I'm going back to the basics of my faith in my own life. Sometimes I have to pull off all the religion and all the things that I know and get back to what do I know? James chapter 4, verse 8. I've been praying this prayer. Scotty Bowden, how long have I been praying this prayer? I don't know, 25 years? And uh, we've been, the scripture says, if you draw near to God, then he will draw near to you. And so I go into prayer and I say, "God, God, you told me that if I come to you, you will come to me. If I come to you, you will come to me. If I come to you, you will come to me. And I use that in my life as a method to know that I know that I know that it's my responsibility first to seek the Lord because He has already sought after me. Does this make sense to anyone else here? So here's what I want you to know. There's this passage in Scripture in Matthew chapter 26 before Jesus would go to the cross. And it gives us an image of Christ's heart for us. So if you know that you have sinned in your life, what's the big deal? You need to know that the Lord is holy. He's pure. He's not like you or I. We've never known holiness before. And when we sinned, we broke covenant with the Lord. Adam and Eve lived in the garden, and it was pure. It was without sin. It was without death. It was without destruction. It was not tainted or defiled. It was good. And when men sinned, there was a curse that fell on us, 
as we separated ourselves from God, who, who is eternal, who is life, who is perfect, we became imperfect, fallen creatures who has a very, very short lifespan. And what you need to know is that in order for us to be restored back to the Lord, a price had to be paid. And that price was a perfect Lamb of God. Jesus gave his life to restore our relationship with the Lord. All of us here want to know the Lord. But today as we're worshiping, we are experiencing the Lord, not because of anything that you've done, but because of everything that he has done. He is good. He is kind. He is faithful. He is loving. He is true. He is just. He is powerful. He is perfect. But that perfect loving God sent his son to die on a cross for our sin. It's crazy to me that the perfect Lamb of God gave his life for you and I. Before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed this prayer. And it lets me into his heart, into his agony, into understanding what he knew was coming. Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, hey guys, hey disciples, sit here and pray. I love that he's telling the disciples to pray, and they're not very good at it, if you'd read this scripture. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. Now, this is our Savior. This is, they're letting us see his soul. He's anguished and distressed. He's, he is messed up emotionally now on the inside, and he begins to pray this, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Hey guys, stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and he bowed his face to the ground and he prayed, Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me for even one hour? They couldn't. Keep watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. He's saying, if you don't maintain your prayer life, you are going to struggle. You're going to fall. You're going to fall back into sin. Maintain your prayer life. And, and, then, and then he goes on to say, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time, and he prayed this. Father, this, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, let your will be done. He knows what's about to happen. He knows that they're about to murder him. He knows that they are about to beat him to a point where he was unrecognizable even by his own family. He, there, he knows the suffering that's about to be put upon him. And he can feel not just the cat of nine tails coming across his back 39 times. Not just the nails in his hand. Not just the crown on his head. Not just the weight of, 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 of the nails in his hands as he pulls up to get a breath of air. He's, he's not terrified about the suffering that's going to come. He, he can feel the anguish of the sin of the world 
our sin being put upon him. He can feel shame about to be placed on him. And in that, he's like, God, if there's any way that I don't have to drink that cup, I'd sure like that at this very moment. But there's not. And he returned to them again, and he found the disciples sleeping. And he's asking them, couldn't you keep your eyes open? So he went and prayed a third time. He's begging, disciples, can you please pray? Please know something's about to happen. Go ahead and sleep. He said, have your rest. And so he says the third time, he, he went and he said, Father, if you would. But he recognized the time was coming. I just... There's a price that has to be paid in order for me to commune with God. I'm so thankful to walk into this room and freely worship, but it's not because of anything that I've done. We have to know that sin is real and there are consequences to sin and Jesus paid it all. And as we desire to seek him as we desire to know the lord as we desire to see true beauty and restoration and the will of god for our lives we have to know that that road was paid for us so that we can boldly enter the throne room of grace it was paid with the with the blood of the son of god let me time out for a second and talk to all the believers that have been in the church for 810 years. The moment you get bored with an understanding of the cross is the moment that you have spiritually entered into a spiritual death, a slumber. Jesus is asking the disciples, I know what's going to happen. Can, can you feel what's going on in me? And I don't want to enter into a season in my life where I don't understand the weight of what Jesus put on for me. And the disciples had no clue what was going on in their very best friend. And, and the Lord, he, he is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Some of you, God is just right now advancing into your life for the first time. And I need you to know the freedom that he's going to bring and the healing that he's going to bring and the love that he's going to bring and the life that he's going to bring. It is so remarkable. But it happens because of what he put on to take off of what I had put on. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to do communion together here right now. And um, this is what Jesus said just before this time of prayer. He had dinner with his disciples. So he would have dinner with his disciples and share communion. And then he would go off and pray. And then he'd be arrested. And then he would be beaten and, and whipped and laughed at and mocked and stripped naked and crucified. And three days later, he would reign and defeat death, hell, and the grave, and give us the keys to life, to, 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 to eternity, and, and forever change our lives for eternity. But he would sit with the disciples on one last time to say something, to give them an ordinance that we have to recognize is important for us today. And it, you found it in, 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 in Luke chapter 22, and he would say this, when the time came for Jesus and the apostles, 
he sat down with them at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. They don't understand what he's talking about here. But if you would, this is Jesus's, if you're on death row, you know, this is his last meal that he knows is coming. You know, I don't know if you know, but on death row, you can, you can put in whatever, whatever meal you want and someone makes it for you. This is the meal that Jesus wanted and these are the people he wanted to eat it with. And he says, I, I, I have been very eager to eat this meal with you uh, until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. For I tell you now that I won't eat again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks for it. Deb, would you come? Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he said, take it and share it among yourselves for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God comes. And he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a drink offering for you. These would be the elements. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the Protestant faith, you know, with the Christian faith, but this is Jesus saying, I want you to do this as a tradition. Whenever you guys get together, I want you to celebrate this meal, the breaking of my body and the pouring of my blood. The breaking of my body and the pouring of my blood. This is what changes our life. I don't know where you're at, but let me just make sure you can hear a little bit of my story. I, I, I wasn't raised in the church. Um, I just was left to wonder and figure things out on my own. So I've, I tried to discover what love was and what power was and what authority was and what cool was. And what I found was a lot of hurt and a lot of brokenness. Christ taught me what love is. Christ taught me what truth is. Christ taught me what the plan is for my life. I wandered. The scripture says, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end it leads to death. I, I, I thought I knew what life was and what I realized was that I was drinking death in my life. Today, there's some people here that you've been doing the same and you realize that Christ is calling you to himself. I'm so thankful that you're here. What's important for us today is that we learn to ask God to forgive us and we receive his grace and his love. I was talking with a friend this week about some sin issues in their life and they were telling me that that. They sometimes forget to ask God to forgive them, but one of the things that they really struggle with is when he does forgive them is allowing his love to overwhelm them. They have a hard time receiving God's forgiveness. They have a hard time forgiving themselves. They have a hard time of letting go of the things that they've done. And you need to know you're going to need to let go today and receive the love and grace of God. 
So here's what we're going to do. Everyone in front of you has um, a card. Uh, there's there's a, a notebook in front of the majority of you, like, like the vast majority of you, and there's a pen. I'm going to have you pull that out. And I, I need you to, on, on that, I'm going to have you write down one sin. If you're in the front row, maybe you can reach behind you, uh, grab one. But I want you to write down a sin, maybe two, but I, I'm only asking that you write down one that you know that you need Christ to forgive you of. Because Daniel stood and he said, God, you are great and awesome. And then he said, but I and we have sinned. So we're going to ask God to forgive us of our sin. And we're going to go a little different today. Rather than passing out the elements, I want to make sure that all of us have an opportunity to give our sin to the Lord and then receive the love of God. So what we're going to do is you're going to write down something that you struggle with. It could be pride. could be unforgiveness. could be envy. could be gluttony. could be uh, pornography. It could be lust. It could be rebellion. It, I don't know. Disobedience. You're going to write that down you're going to ask the Lord to forgive you. And then what I'm going to have you all do is we're all going to walk down to the front here through the center aisle. And I'm going to have you drop your sin in this bowl. Fold it up real tight and real small. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good one right there. We'll do that. It's a little bowl. <laughs> and uh, make it so no one can see you. We're going to burn those things. Don't put your name on it. Don't, don't worry about it. Jesus said he... He remembers our sin no more. And you're going to give that to the Lord today. And then you're going to receive the love of God. You're going to step over to your side and grab uh, one of the cups here. It's going to have a cracker and a grape in it. A grape symbolizes the blood. The cracker symbolizes the body. And, uh, and then we're all going to take communion together. So go back to your seat. And as soon as you're ready to give God something that you know you need to ask him to forgive you of, then we'll, we'll receive the love of God together. Does this make sense? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's no one here that doesn't need God to forgive them of something. And so, with that being said, if you're ready, move down to the center, come down, throw it in the bowl, receive your elements. This was prophesied about over a thousand years before Jesus would even walk the earth. Of, of what he was going to do for us when he came. Who has believed our message to whom the Lord has revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a dry root in the dry ground. And there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance and nothing that would attract us to him. They were talking about Jesus. He wasn't, he wasn't a beautiful man. He was just an ordinary guy. He was despised. He was rejected by, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted like we just heard with the deepest of grief. He turned our backs, we turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. And then it goes on to say, yet it was our weakness that he carried and it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced 
for our He was pierced for our rebellion. And you were crushed, Lord Jesus, for my sins. And you were beaten so that we could be made whole. And you were whipped so that we could be healed. Jesus, I just salute you. And I say, well done, God. Like you are you're so much better than me. You are good. I did wrong. I did wrong by you. I knew it was wrong when I did it. I knew it was wrong when I said it. And I've, I, I walked on your word. And I thank you that you made a way that I could be made right with you. Someone here needs to hear you made a way for those that I love to be with you for an eternity. Well done, Lord. You are good. He asked God if there's any way I don't have to do this, you know. I don't think it was the nails in his hands. I don't think it was the whip on his back. I don't think it was the nakedness in front of his family or the jokes that they cried out at. I think it was the shame that I've experienced in my life that he couldn't handle. But he did handle it so that we'd be right with God. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me, us of our sins. And we receive today your love for us. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your Holy Spirit. We receive a cleansing of our sin. We receive rightness with you. Today, would you break the body and partake in it? In Jesus' name. in the dinner he lifted up a cup and he said this is a it's a new promise that I'm giving you paid for with my blood that promise is that he would never leave you nor forsake you because you're his son and daughter and because he loves you I'm going to have Deb sing this over you one more time and I just want you to hear it we are loved by God as you partake as a pastor, it's important that I lead you guys in the way of truth. Here's what I need you to understand. I'm thankful that many of you guys call this your home church. Really am. We have a plan to see you grow. And, and that is not by just attending Sunday mornings, but it's really in a connect group. Like find a connect group and you will grow. You need people in your life that love God and will dialogue the things of the Lord with you. You need it. It's, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment by the Lord. But as, as, as we partake of communion today, I'm reminded that it's not church that's going to save you. It's Jesus and a relationship with Jesus that will transform your life. 
And so I beg you to learn how to praise and how to repent and how to ask and how to yield. And your dialogue with Jesus will transform your life as the Holy Spirit moves on you. I am begging you as a brother in Christ and as your pastor, learn how to pray. It will change your life. Today, as we dismiss, I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done for us. He paved a way. There are a few here that really just need someone to pray with you. There's some things going on in your life that you, you, you need. I have a question or I need to comb through some things. We, we, we want to make this moment so much more sacred and cement what the Lord is doing right here in this room. If you're here and you need prayer for anything, we'll be down front and we want to agree with you. I love you guys so much. I'm so thankful for you. Go pie a kid in the face or, uh, or um, join a connect group this week. I love you guys. God bless you. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.